What's up, everybody? Derek here with The Break Podcast. Hope you're having a great day today. It's been a while since I've been in here, which, hearing myself say that, I think I've said that the last three or four podcasts, it's just been tough to find an hour a week to come in here and do this on a consistent basis. And it's even going to get tougher now that hunting season is open. Bow season's open here in Missouri. So uh, I'm going to be hunting a lot. Pretty much any break I get from work and life and everything else will be spent in the woods. Um, at least every evening for now. So maybe I can get in here in a, of a morning when I'm not working. And uh, hopefully do some of these podcasts on a more consistent basis. But I'm going to be hunting a lot. Speaking of hunting... Browning Trail Cameras is a sponsor of the Break Podcast, and now is the time to get your Browning Trail Cameras out. If you haven't already, bucks are moving around. They're uh, showing up in new areas because they're breaking up from their bachelor groups. 99% of them, if not 100%, are now shed here in the Midwest. Uh, I hunted, uh, when was it, I hunted Kentucky about a week and a half ago, and... I saw a hard-horned, real nice buck, real nice young buck, I should say. He's a two-year-old, but he was already in the mid-130s as an eight-pointer. He's going to be a stud here in another year or two. Uh, He was hard-horned, and he had a buddy with him who was still in velvet, um, which he was a good-looking buck, too. So he'll be a dandy here in a couple years. But they're starting to break up. I did see a solo buck. Uh, cruising around out in the bean field. I shouldn't say cruising around, just feeding out there. But he was out there, and uh, I saw another little buck. But, uh, yeah, they're pretty much breaking up now. So that means they're going to be, some of them are going to be looking for new territory. So if you didn't have a good buck in your area all spring on your Browning Trail cameras, you may have one show up here soon. So be sure to get your cameras out. Also, A lot of the farmers are shelling corn here in the Midwest, so a lot of those bucks were just hanging out in the cornfields and all that cover and never coming out. Now that the farmers have shelled the corn, they've cut the corn, they're going to have to, the bucks are going to have to move into some cover, into your woods and and whatever else. So there's a good chance that you'll get some new new bucks on camera here real soon. Um, So yeah, be sure to get your cameras out and hopefully you'll find you a good buck to hunt this fall so today we had a really good podcast i had jeff sweeney in here from uh he's with wounded duck retrievers that's his business so he's a dog trainer uh trains duck dogs obviously labrador retrievers and i was introduced to him by james fought with wild story productions james is in here as well and we just talked dog training duck hunting and you know that's about it, really. Uh, but we have formed we have formed a partnership. The Break and well, Wild Story Productions is already doing a lot of our editing for the show, a lot of production, TV production. Um, but we have formed a partnership between The Break and Wounded Duck Retrievers. He's going to be our official duck dog trainer and obedience trainer um, for The Break. So I've got, we talked about it before, i got a new little lab puppy she's uh, about four and a half months old now maggie Um, i'm gonna send her to jeff here in just uh, a month and a half two months here when she gets about six months old and uh, start getting her trained can't wait to get her out and have to start duck hunting next year 
she'll be ready by then. Actually, she'll be ready for dove season next September. So about a year from now, I'll have her out hunting, and I cannot wait. So anyways, here's the podcast. Again, Jeff Sweeney with Wounded Duck Retrievers, and then James Fault with uh, James Fought with Wild Story Productions. That's it. Here we go. This is Derek Dernberger, and you're listening to The Break Podcast. All right, James, Jeff, what's up, fellas? Doing good. Doing good? Doing good? Yeah. So I'm sitting here with a couple guys that know maybe a little bit about duck hunting and dog training. I don't know how much. I know enough to kill ducks. <laughs> yeah, you know enough to kill ducks. And I yeah. know enough about yeah. dog training to have Jeff do mine. <laughs> yeah. <So. laughs> well, Jeff, tell us about your dog trainer. Yes. Tell us about how you got into that and and a little bit about your business. Okay. <clears throat> well, I mean, I didn't start in training duck dogs. Uh, when I was in uh, third grade, um, <clears throat> I wanted some rabbit dogs. So uh, I went and begged my dad for these rabbit dogs, and he, he told me, he said, you know, if you get a job and start saving money and buy a dog pen, I'll, I'll fill it with dogs. So I worked that summer, and I bought a, a chain link uh, dog pen, mm-hmm. and I still have it today. And uh, he bought me two dogs, two pups. So my dad was a truck driver, so he's only at home every other weekend. So he's like, well, if we're going to rabbit hunt these dogs, you're going to have to train them. So that's kind of what started me. And so uh, a farmer about half a mile from our house had a field down there. And uh, I'd go down there about four or five nights a week at dark because rabbits come out and stir. It's easy to get on a track. And that's how I started them pups. And um, so so you just went out and just and just ran the dogs, literally. I, I built me a fort and the guy had hay out in the field. And I took them hay bales and I put it out in the middle of this briar patch and put a piece of plywood over top of it. I'd go down there and I'd just turn my dogs loose and they'd get on track, start running. And uh, I'd get in there with a flashlight and look at magazines or just for an hour or two, killing time. and Just let them learn on their own, basically. Kind of. Well, I did that and also uh, I, I built these little wooden box traps. I don't know if you guys remember yeah. them or not. Mm-hmm. I'd catch rabbits and I'd turn them loose, you know, yeah. let them see them. And, uh, where they walk in and hit the stick and it drops the yeah, door down. Yeah, yeah I built yeah. a couple of those in shop class. Yeah. Did, you, did you do that in school? No, I wasn't in shop class. I was a FFA FFA, guy. yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we went to that. You know, when I first started rabbit hunting when I was a kid, you, I mean, I'm older than you guys, but we would kill, you know, eight, 12 rabbits in a day easy. And we never killed them off the jump. It was always off the dog. It's always I've always been into dogs, but um, um, about when I was a freshman in high school, you, you would walk all day for one or two rabbits. So we kind of got out hey. of it, and uh, at least, least where where I'm from, right. that's I think that was pretty much <laughs> yeah. everywhere. Okay. Yeah, Any, okay. anything with the you know rabbits and the brush right. animals, quail. Yeah, just diminished back because that's how I grew up is quail hunting. Right, right. And it just got so bad. Yeah, you'd walk all day. Same thing for get into one covey, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I went from that to uh, coon hunting, and uh, you know I seen the movie where the red fern grows. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I was like, well, I can do that. So again, I got me a pup, and I started training that pup, and it was a complete disaster. Um, and I learned right then how much genetics means. You know, this was a backyard dog, wasn't even full-blooded, black and tan. 
I couldn't, you know, I didn't know if it was me or what, but <clears throat> ended up getting another pup and I did well with it and got another. Next thing you know, I mean, I went through 30, 50 dogs. You know, I just I, I loved coon hunting. And uh, then uh, I got married, you know, got a job and that coon hunting. I don't know if you guys ever did it, but. I, I can imagine it's not a, a support your family type of. Well, there's many nights you're out all night. Right. You lose right. your dog. You know, you got to go back the next day, you know, and you got a lot of money in your dog, a lot of time. And, and he might be in the next county. Yeah. Well, coon dogs, if you if you hunt enough, what you learn to do is wherever you park your truck and you let your dog out, you throw your jacket out on the side of the road right there. Mm-hmm. And you come back next day, and if you've lost your dog enough, he'll be laying on that jacket. I'll be dang. Okay. They do the same thing with bird dogs. <clears throat> do they really? Yep. Huh. Heard the same thing with bird dogs. That's yeah. pretty neat. So anyway, I got out. I got out of that. And I got into bird hunting, and you said, mm-hmm. you know, same thing there. But uh, I got into uh, bird hunting, and um, actually, where I was from, there wasn't no quail. Everybody made fun of me for getting into it. But, I mean, I just wanted to do it. And I wanted to train pups. So I got me a pup and started training. And uh, I would go to uh, where you buy and release these birds, you yeah. know, and uh, like hunting preserves. Yes. Yeah. And then I got where I traveled down to you guys' next woods. I went down to Haytai Heights down in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, in between their cotton fields back then, they would they had these little strip of woods with little waterways. And we'd hunt that. And we'd get up four or five covey of birds. We'd get up a pheasant or two and uh, all kinds of rabbits. But uh, we did that. And then um, um, my dad at job, uh, he hauled uh, Chevrolets for complete auto. He fell off the top of his truck. Uh, when he was loading a car and uh, had to have back surgery. And uh, <clears throat> he, uh, in the surgery, they cut some of his nerves, and uh, he's got what they call drop foot. So he's got no control of the front of his foot. When he walks, he's got to raise mm. his leg up real high and all that. So that kind of ended his uh, uh, rabbit hunting or bird hunting type thing. So, and me and my dad, that's, you know, we complete strangers until you got in the woods, you know, that was yeah. our bond, you know, and I still hunt with my, my dad's 74. We still hunt today. That's awesome. And, um, so I was like, you know what, dad, we've been going down here to Hayti hunting this. And every time we're down here and these fields are flooded, there's thousands of ducks out in these fields. You know, I just like shooting stuff flying. Let's get in this duck hunting. Mm-hmm. Well, I done got into the pointing labs with bird hunting. So I'm like, I got a lab, you know, I'll just have a pups and start training them. So I got a, I bred her to another pointing lab, which, you know, is a mistake now, I think, but I didn't know any better. But I got a pup, and I started training that thing. I got every VCR tape you could get back then, every book. And uh, that pup was nine months old the first year I started hunting. It went and got every duck, every duck we shot, whether he's seen or not. It took cast, everything. And I was like, man, I've got this. Well... The second year I hunted, when it started, that dog did good at first, but when it got cold, he learned that he he, he decided not to go one day. And then I, <clears throat> at first, I just thought, well, I don't know, it's just a bad day. Well, then we went a few times, he did okay, the next time he didn't go again. Well, I was, you know, I started losing it because, I mean, there's nothing better than hunting with a great dog, but there's nothing worse than hunting with a bad one. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So I got where I was having to wait out there and try to push this dog and he didn't want to go and so we started hunting out of a boat so i started throwing that dog out of the boat and i had to pull the dog ladder in because he'd come right back up and that dog would circle that boat two or three times 
And finally, he'd look at me and was like, "No," and I'd give him, and I'd have to give him cast every time, every time to go get that duck. So, at the end of that year, I was like, "You know what, Dad? This ain't gonna work. I've got something. You know, I've got to do something." And I had a buddy that had um, uh, that I knew that uh, had True Tone calls, and he knew a professional trainer over in Illinois, and uh, I got hooked up with that guy, and I took that dog over. And now on land, that dog looked like a million bucks. Yeah, you know, so. Uh, he seen that dog. He said, "You did great, buddy." And he said, "But uh, you didn't collar condition him, did you?" It's like, oh, "Well, I don't even know what that is, you know." And you didn't force fetch it. I didn't know anything about that either. So I got with this guy, and he he did two months of training with this pup and showed me what was going on. Then I went back and studied and studied, and and um, I uh, hunted that dog the next year, and it was a different dog except for every once in a while he still had that tendency not to go and. You know, a lesson learned is a lesson not forgotten, you know, and uh, the best way to prevent a bad habit is in training to, to, to prevent it in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I sold that dog to a, a goose guide in Illinois, and he loved it, and uh, I went straight to waterfowl dogs in. I wanted the highest bred, strongest running dogs there was, and and uh, I, I searched and searched, and I called everybody, and I, I met this guy. Yeah. Uh, Lyle Stenman, I don't know if you've heard of him. I don't. I have, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's the Michael Jordan of dog training. But he, uh, I met him on the phone and, and started talking to him. And, you know, at first I didn't know if this guy was full of or what. I didn't know him, you know. And, but something sold me on him. And and uh, it was kind of a double thing. My little girl was wanting a pup for Christmas, a yellow lab. You know, and he had some yellow labs, and I thought, well, she'll she'll want it for two or three months, then it'll be mine, and that's what happened. You know, right. <laughs> I went up there, met Lyle, got this pup, and uh, this dog just uh, it, it, it it you get the right genetics in a dog, and um, it, training's easy. I mean, at least I think it is. But uh, this dog just made it simple and uh, just breezed right through everything, and she's a, a I went through dogs that um, would sleep in the blind, and or you had to throw rocks, you know, out there and all that stuff to a dog that just, uh, it just got to go, and it, it took me to a different level, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, I, and uh, it's just uh, a lot of people spend a lot of money on all their equipment and all that stuff, but then they want to go buy a, a backyard dog, and uh, genetics is everything. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, because you end up you end up just frustrated with the hunt. Yeah, if your dog's not working right, like you talked about, and there's I've got a dog that's like that right now. That's just you know go 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 would retrieve. You know, it was a long process to get her ready to retrieve because right. she had no natural desire. Wouldn't even really seriously retrieve a piece of bacon. Like that's how bad she was. <laughs> Literally <laughs> tried it in the house. Uh-huh. And who doesn't like bacon? You know, yeah. but. She finally got to the point where she would do it, but then running the same thing, it got cold as iced up one day and she just, you know, she's sitting there and whining and pawing at the ground, ready to go shoot some ducks. And she takes off and hits that water and just like you hit her with a sledgehammer upside the head. I mean, she had, she was like, what is this? Right. And would not get back in the water. Now, fast forward a couple of years, she's got to where now she'll get in the water and, Mm -hmm. and she'll hunt nice, but she still doesn't have the go. You know, which led right. me to, I've got to get another dog. I guide 60 days a year. Right. At least 45 to 50 days a year mm-hmm. and film the rest. And I've got to have a dog that'll do it. Right, I, right. I and mean, you shoot 30, 40 ducks a day. Mm-hmm. As a guide, you can't 
be going out there and picking up ducks all day long. Right. You know, the clients think it's no big deal because, you know, they're there for three days. They put out all their energy. I do it every day, day in and day out. Right, right. I can't do that. So I've got to have a dog that'll go. Yeah. One thing I learned on that, too, you're talking about ice water is, you know, when when it gets cold, if a, if a dog ain't at least 15, 16 months old, you shouldn't hunt it when it gets cold because uh, right. their hide's not thick enough, mm-hmm. enough body fat. So, and, uh, you know, and you'll, you'll basically ruin it, you know, now. I wish that was an excuse with this dog. No, okay. That was not that the was problem. Not it. No. Okay. <laughs> well, you can still force one. I mean, if you have to, but who, I don't want. I want to. I want a dog to do it. Yeah, I want a hunting buddy. I don't want something that I got to sit there and worry about or force, and I don't want to be something that I got to be embarrassed about. You know, yeah. I want something when the guy leaves that don't have a dog. He wants a dog. Right. You know? <clears throat> yeah. That's absolutely true. Yeah. So Derek, you got a new dog. I got a new dog. That's why Jeff is here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. James, you got us hooked up here. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting Maggie trained here. Yeah. Pretty soon, hopefully. So you take dogs at about five months, six months? Five, actually, usually Seven. about six months. Usually I like for their adult teeth to come in. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't start with force fetch or anything. You start with obedience. Uh, hopefully they know a little bit of that when they get there, and it kind of helps the process. But Kind of the common commands of sit and sit, heal. Heal, uh, yeah. Um, kennel up I, and i use place i use place in all my training there's there's trainers that don't but places uh, i i really like zone. i really like that's what we're doing with wiley now it's yes. it's it's a lot easier to control him and you know i think in the past you know i'll be like i wish that dog would just go over and set you know and it won't because right. it doesn't know that but like wiley i could just point to point a direction and say place and he'll run pick a spot out and sit down now if i've got a, yeah. something for him to sit on obviously he goes i could put a I don't know, a 10 by 10 piece of wood, oak wood the other day, just threw it on the ground, did a couple of retrieves, and then I told him place. Had never even sat on that board before. I told him place, and he looked around, you know, snapped his head uh-huh. back and forth, yeah. and ran over and sat on that piece of wood, Yeah, you know, because he understood, I'm going to find something to sit on. Right. So it's worked really well. Yeah, I'm walking out 100 yards now for him and, and send him back to place. I yeah. I mean, it just it makes it so much easier. Uh, you know, rarely do you have a dog set by you in a hunting blind. I mean, right beside you, they always got a place to go. Uh, mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't have to get up and actually walk that dog over there every time. You want to tell them place, and, right? And they go. You know. So you initially just, you know, so it you're in the blind. You got the dog on the side on its stool or platform, platform or whatever it is. You yeah. show it to them. This is your place in the beginning, and then right. they know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot, like I got rubber mats I even use. Uh, mm-hmm. If I go in my boat, and you know, when you're going across the lake or up a river in, in the dark, and I don't know if you've ever hunted with a dog and had it jump out of the boat or whatever, you know. I mean, you can't have that. So, I've got little rubber mats. I'll throw it down in the boat and I'll tell it place, and it sets there till I go and get set up, throw the decoys out, and then I'll move that up on top by its dog ladder and place, so it knows that mat. But when you're training a dog. <clears throat> If you're trying to train a dog steadiness, and you know and you got to have steady, first of all, it's a pet peeve of mine trying to train a dog steadiness when they're young on on retrieving. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it takes the drive out of them totally. It, it's it's. I always try to tell people it's like you know if you have two boys and you take them so, you know play soccer, and you set one on a bench, and let's see, for three years because dogs last what seven years to our year or whatever you know. Set them on that bench for three years. Say, watch, just watch this, watch. And you take the other boy out there, and you play with him, and you kick the ball, and you have fun, and you and you're making it fun for him. You know who's going to make the better player? Right. You know, same way with the dog. So it's all fun at first. You know what I mean? But 
then when I start teaching steadiness, that's when place comes in, in, in and uh, you use a raised platform. Because uh, if you set them on the ground or you set them on a, a, a mat on the ground, they'll get where they're creeping. They'll inch off of that thing because they just don't get the concept. But if you put them up on a raised platform, they know if they step off that and they get in trouble, it's, it, it's quick. They learn it yeah. quick. You know, they, they learn steadiness, you know. That, that is so true. I've seen with Wiley since he's learned place now and is even just when he's been on the ground, when I worked with him at the house that weekend, I had him back, he would not creep at all. Nice. You know, nice. he just sat there. Uh-huh. You could see he wanted to, but he yeah. wouldn't because he thought, man, if I step off this piece of dirt to that piece of dirt, I'm in trouble. Oh, yeah. When in reality, he's oh, yeah. sitting on the same piece of dirt. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. It's pretty neat how right. much difference that oh, made. Yeah. That's great with Wiley, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. He's wound up. Yeah, but that's what I wanted. I wanted a dog that had to go, you know, and oh, yeah. he's got it. So. Oh yeah, that's what I'm about too. I mean, so, I, I like an off switch if I can find one. But, well, know, I do too. And <laughs> supposedly this line had an off switch, but and I, he might. And yeah. you know, we'll see if he grows into that. Now I know it at the house. If I just let him in the house, he's pretty calm. He'll. I could go tell him to lay down in the living room, and he does it. You know. Right. Right. But if he's outside, he's nonstop searching, looking at my hands to see if I got something to throw or. Hey, there's a stick. Let me go grab it. Maybe he'll throw that for me, which right. I don't. But right. um, I tried that when he was young. And it's like, you know, stick in the driveway. I just picked it up and threw it out in the woods. And I'll be damned if he didn't bring it back to me. Uh-huh. And I was like, you're not no stick retriever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's just a retriever. And right, he just wants right. to retrieve. Right. But you talked about the puppy teeth wall go. And there might be some people listening to this that don't understand that. So talk talk about that, about the that transition from, you know, kind of the adolescent puppy to a dog that's mature and that's ready to train. And and the teeth and how the teeth fit into that. Well, uh, which you know, this could be an argument with a lot of people because a lot of people don't believe in in uh, uh, collar conditioning or force fetch. Um, um, but you know, it's kind of like um, a, a dog. If a dog's five feet from you or ten feet from you, even a wild dog, you can kind of control it. But can you can control it out there at 200, 300 yards? I mean, even a good dog, it's hard to control that mm-hmm, far out. So, right. so you have to um, you have to get control, and also um, it's about learning to to deal or perform under pressure. So, um, uh, a trainer one time said he said like Navy SEALs, they teach these guys to swim in a swim pool. They dive down in this warm swimming pool, twenty feet down. They have a chest down there with chains on it they gotta unlock it with keys you know and they <clears throat> and everything and every everyone in the class does it right then all of a sudden they throw them in freezing water doing down there and, and do it in a time and then you know half the guys lock up can't do it they can't perform under pressure it's, and um it's the same way with dogs you know you and and you got to train them in in most people especially people trying to do it on their own which is another thing i think is crazy too but for a lot of people because you got to have a certain mentality but um they want to train in leaps you know yeah and in dogs if you want a great dog you you got to train them in baby steps and mm-hmm. if, if you do that and if you got the right dog it'll learn in bounds but <clears throat> basically you know i teach the dog everything before i ever put a collar on them and uh uh, all the commands, and then you put a collar on them, and then you teach them in a way to turn that pressure off or to beat pressure. And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, you know, a lot of people think it's this or that, but um, if anybody would come and watch my dogs work, um, the tails are up. I cannot, first of all, I cannot stand to see a dog at a trail, that, uh, a trial, where they 
throw a duck out there and they run out there with its tail tucked between its legs. Yeah. Right there is telling me that guy's training with pressure. He's not teaching the dog, you know. So, anyway, we go through collar conditioning. We teach all the commands so we got some control. So, collar is a shot collar, basically. Shot collar, yeah. yes. And, and <clears throat> you know, it's it's on low, too. I mean, you mm-hmm. put it on your wrist. It's more like a, like a vibration type thing. I've done that, yeah. Okay, yeah. And, uh, you know, um, some dogs you got to use more pressure, you know, some less. You know, it's all cord, especially, like, males like Wiley there they're they're wound you know but uh but they learn they learn quick and uh if you do it right and then anyway then we go from that to force fetch and they got to have their adult teeth before you start a lot of times people have pups and they'll start they'll teach it to retrieve then all of a sudden when it's about you know four five six months old it it quits retrieving they don't understand what's going on it don't want to pick nothing up well it's it's adult teeth coming in yeah mouth hurts yeah it don't want anything to do with it but once it gets its adult teeth, then we go into a uh, force fetch, which is another way of turn, teaching that dog to turn off pressure. Um, a lot of people think it's just about forcing that dog to pick something up, and it is a certain amount. You know what I mean? Um, before I that first dog I told you about, I trained. Uh, I didn't force fetch it, and he'd go get a crippled duck. He'd bring it in when he got before he ever got to me. Before I get hold of that duck, he'd drop it, and the duck would take off. Mm-hmm. You know? You yeah, know, I've, I've seen that multiple times. You know, and, you know, a force fetch dog won't do that. You know, he won't he won't drop it until command, you know, drop. And mm-hmm. so, anyway, they got to have their adult teeth to go through that process. And, and usually the <laughs> adult teeth are in by About seven, six, months, six, six to seven, seven months. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> so if you, uh, so I've got my dog. I'm mm-hmm. not a dog trainer. Um. At, if she's losing her teeth at four or five months, five months, whatever it is, start to lose them, her, her adult teeth are coming in. She's not fetching. Do I even play fetch with her at all or just don't even mess with it during that time because I don't want to, you know. All right, that's a good question. Ruin yeah. something that may you know, affect her later. I've had people that keep trying to do it, you know what I mean? I don't know if it really affects them. It's just the dog don't do it. Um, um, I don't know. That's, that's a tough one there. I, I don't really have an answer for that uh it doesn't hurt not to do it let's put it that way if she if she retrieved when she's a pup she'll be fine okay yeah Yeah, and i noticed too uh, when we had puppies and raised dogs and and trained we would actually that's when i would notice okay it's about that time because you'd see blood on the on the bumper like we used paint rollers or things like that Mm -hmm. you would see little spots of blood on it and then usually we would just take a break for a few weeks and kind of watch their teeth until they kind of got in and then by the time we're there we're doing obedience through all that time, and then we're ready to force fetch by the time we get to that point. Mm-hmm. Right. I've got a uh, – my daughter helps me train, and um, uh, <clears throat> we kept two pups out of my female, and she kept a male, and I kept a female. And males are way harder than females. They just are. They're just they're, – they're less mature at an earlier age. You know, it's just like boys and girls, really, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she uh, – we, we trained both the dogs, and he went through that period where he didn't want to pick up. And he was a – he was just like Wiley, exact. I mean, he's probably a carbon copy of Wiley. He was just, you know, set on go all the time, and he loved to retrieve. And for some reason, he started going through that. And uh, but he came right out of it great. The only mistake that she made because she was in college, and this was she kept it in the house, is she let some of her friends come over there and play tug of war, which is a big no. Oh, it's a big no. That's See, terrible. That's what I'm no. dealing with right now. I've got a house dog, a. a uh, <clears throat> miniature schnauzer and they're always playing tug of war yeah yeah so that's i need to stop that you need to get rid of that other dog 
<laughs> no, I can't do that. It, it might be okay per se with another dog. I'm not sure about okay. that. But just you, you or your kids. You know, kids like to play tug of war. With yeah, them, you know what I mean? never do that. Yeah, no, no. Well, with another dog, it's just kind of socialization for them. Probably right, right. So, yeah, might not be as big a deal. Yeah. Still wouldn't want them doing it all the time. I don't think, but yeah, probably not as big a deal. Right. Yep. That's good to know. See, and that's what I'm worried about. So, you know. We got the miniature schnauzer, and it's, you know, it'll sit, and it'll stay and do all those things. Of course, the kids are saying sit, stay, which you train it as. You say sit, and that also means stay, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, so, sit, 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 sit until I tell you to get up. Right, exactly, exactly. So I'm worried about the kids and my wife and whatever given Maggie commands, and they don't enforce it, or they're giving them different commands. Yeah, you got to train the family. Right, too. exactly, right. and that's what I've been telling them. Yeah. You can't right. do this. Don't give commands if you're not going to enforce it. Right. Yeah, I, 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 the same thing. You know, Carson, my oldest, you know, she likes to make the dogs listen to her, and I'm like, if you're going to do it, make them listen. And <laughs> yeah. you know, she's learned now that you know she'll tell other people they come over the house, try to tell the dog to sit, and it won't. She'll grab them and no, you sit uh-huh. and yeah. make them sit. You know, but you you have to do that, or you know, if they learn to get away with one person, they'll test another. Right. You know, and then they just get confused. Right. I will say, you want a great dog, it's best to have it as a house dog. You know, It is it, best to have it as a house dog. Oh, really. man, yeah. Even if your kids are doing the wrong thing, it's that socialization. Yeah. And, and think about that dog's with you, and it's learning, you know, you, your kids, or whatever. And it just it makes a smarter dog than one out in the yeah. pen all the time. It, yeah, it, does. it unlocks it unlocks personality. and Yes. Yeah. It, I, every dog I've had that's ever been a house dog compared to a kennel, has always been a better dog. Really? Yes. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people think, oh, you can't duck on them in cold weather because it's a house of bull. No, yeah, you can. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I usually leave. I try to try to keep mine in in the kennel a little bit during the winter. Yeah. You know, and so they get some of that shared experience. Yeah, so they can, them. yeah, that yeah. way they can build those oils on their coat and right all right. that to help protect them. But yeah, I mean, I I try to, you know, like at the duck club, I might let them sleep. If it's super cold, I might put them in the camper with me while I'm down there. But I've got a kennel that I keep down there, and most of the time they're in the kennel. I don't care how cold it is. What Use you, a vest. Yeah. 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 What are you talking about? Oils. They'll build oils on their coat. Okay. Just like we have oil in our hair, so, and it it just helps to you know wick moisture right. and yep. okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it also you know it it creates a healthier coat, which a healthier coat's obviously a more insulated coat. Right. So it helps with that. All right. Well, let's. All right, so we kind of got way ahead here. Uh, let's back up to if somebody wants to pick out a dog. I mean, you're looking for bloodline, right? You're yes. looking for the lineage. And so then let's just say you find the bloodline you're looking for and you go see a litter of puppies. What are you looking for in the litter? I mean, if you're going to pick male or female, that's that's one choice there. But then you're going to look at the personality of the dogs. How do you select the right dog? Are you looking for one that's super wound up and the dominant, or you're looking for one that's more passive? What I read, and I'm you know I'm just <clears throat> googling you know best training dogs you know easiest to train, and it said you don't want the most dominant because they're bullheaded. You don't want the you know the most passive because they're going to be scared and possibly like you're saying running with their tail between their leg to go fetch. Mm-hmm. You want one that's two or three on the you know, on the pecking order of that litter. So is that the personality you're looking for, or is there a personality? You just pick the dog you want and 
Yeah, well, I'm not sure if there's a, a, a just a black and white answer on that either. Uh, there's I've heard lots of people with different theories on that. Um, a lot of people even say, you know, just close your eyes and pick one. Um, um, the only thing that I will call instantly is a timid dog. Yeah, you know, yeah. Not, I don't want a timid dog. Other than that, I, I do want one that's got personality that wants to come to me and makes eye contact. Uh, that's the type of dog. I mean, I like a dominant dog myself, uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I, more so just one that's not timid. Yeah. yeah if, if it's out of a litter that you know is trainable, I'll I'll pick a wild one. You know, yeah. one that's running around going crazy, but will still, like Jeff said, come to you, make eye contact with you. It's just like a person. You know, if a yeah. person's afraid to make eye contact, they're a very, you know, passive individual. Mm-hmm. And dogs are the same way. Right. You know? Right. Exactly. Yep. yep. So it. I will say, though, just because you go get a pup out of the best bloodline there is doesn't actually mean it's going to make it. It's not 100%, but, but it's. It's really good. I mean, it, def- it definitely increases your chances. Oh, but I have seen, I've seen dogs out of fifteen hundred, two thousand dollar litters that just oh, yeah. never made a good dog. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and vice might, versa. You could buy a two hundred dollar lab, and yeah, one of the best dogs it. I ever had to pay two hundred dollars for. You know, I and, just, I just trained a dog for a guy in Cape, uh, and uh, it was a hundred fifty dollar dog. Yeah, and uh, you can go on my Facebook page and watch Hank. That he was a hundred fifty dollar dog, and when he brought him to me. Um, he and I, I always watch people how they handle them when they first bring them. But he brought this dog to me and he made it set. He was so proud of that dog sat there and he threw that bumper out there. He made it set for a couple minutes and he sent it and he kind of trotted out there a little bit, got it and walked back. And you know, and I could tell right away that he worked um, steadiness, you know, with his fun retrieves and you know, so the dog had no drive size, uh. but it did go get the bumper. And that's one thing I do want to see. I want to see a dog that will retrieve something before you know before I mess with it. But uh, I was like, well, you know, I'll see what I can do. And so I, I just started playing fun retrieves, and man, that dog came out of it. And uh, if you if you raised your voice at that dog, just talk too loud. He'd lay on the ground like he'd been shot, just scared mm. to death. Just just one of them type of dogs, and he was a male, but he could handle pressure. Now he he came through collar condition, force fetch. Just I mean, as good as any dog I ever seen. But if you raise your voice. He was done, but he's, now is that is that the big white one? Big black dog, Hank. The black uh, was All, he up there last time I was up there? Uh, he might have been there the first time he came. Okay, but he's he went home. That he's taking him uh, taking him uh, dove hunting. He said he's picked up every dove. He said he he's somewhere here in Cape and uh, oh, okay. He dropped some in a waterway there. He said he got every one of them. He's, he's tickled to death. But it was a hundred fifty dollar dog, but. You know, I don't recommend that. Right. Yeah, I've done been through that. You mm-hmm. know, I don't. I don't want no part of that. I, I want well-bred dogs. Yeah. I'm. You know, I want them up there. At least some field champions or grand hunter champions in their pedigree somewhere. Somewhere yeah. down the line. Yeah. <clears throat> if yeah. not, if not the sire, damn. Yeah. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah at least one removed. Yeah. Has has something significant. Yes. Has proven. Yes. Which it's hard, you know. I mean, but you know, I say that. I see people all the time griping about the price of pups. You know, that lab, you know, it's, it's dad's only a hunter champion, you know, and, uh, you know, that dog should only be a $600 dog. And then, you know, I, I go look and they're selling these Labradoodles for 1000 or selling Golden Doodles for 2000 <laughs> Yeah. You know, French Bulldogs for $1,800. Mind-boggling. And it's like, now, wait a minute. Them dogs are just sitting in your house, you know, that you... And they're mutts. And you don't have to do nothing with them. Now, you want a dog that'll go out there, and that's another thing people say, I don't... 
I just want a duck dog. I don't. I just want one that'll go two, three hundred yards, pick up a duck, or two, three hundred yards, second hand cast. You know, I don't want no field champion. I, I don't need that. You just explained to me what a field what a champion. Field champion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, you do want that dog. Uh-huh. So you know, spend the extra money and 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 get it. You know. Well, you know, what, one thing that frustrates me to no end is is we we argue about gear and what shotguns best, what jackets best, what waders are best, and all these things. But you know, and the, the argument happens in the dog world, but not as often. And guys will go out and spend two thousand dollars on a brand new shotgun. They argue all day long on Facebook about what's the best shotgun. Yeah, yeah. But then they then we don't buy a two hundred dollar dog. But that dog does more for your hunt than any other piece of gear you have. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, who who wants to walk out and pick up, you know, hundred two hundred yard flyer, you know, uh, cripples. Yeah. Ten or twelve times during a hunt across a flooded muddy field. Exactly. It sucks when a dog can do that in twenty seconds. Yeah. It might take you five minutes out of your hunt to go get every one of those. Oh, yeah. And if you do that 10 times in a hunt, there's an hour yeah. out, right. of, out of right. a five-hour hunt, you know. Right. And people, people want to invest their money in all these wrong areas. I think if, if, you're, you, know, if, if you don't have the money to get it, but you want a dog, don't, don't go buy a new you know, $2,000 shotgun. Go buy a good puppy and shoot an 870. Exactly. You know what I mean? Right, right. And then let your, you know, spend the money on your dog. Take it to a trainer if you don't know how to do it, you know, or, or follow at least get advice from a, a hunting retriever club or something like that. Right. And get that dog ready because it's going to save you so much headache in the right, long run. Right. You know, and that's something, too, I, I said earlier about a pet peeve about, you know, you got all these things now where they're trying to promote uh, train your own dog and i'm not saying this because i'm a trainer because first of all i can't train every dog out there you know yeah. there's enough dogs for all every trainer out there to train we can't train them all and that's fine but you know what i try to point out to people is it's like you know for one thing it's a busy world and how many athletes did you go to school with that played a sport that now they have kids and they're paying for their kids to go to a trainer to learn that sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a lot easier to teach your kid when they know English how to a sport that you played. Yeah, you know, but but you're going to train your own dog, you know, and then it's all it's it's about mentality. It's about um, you can you can Google or read in, in and I can sit here and tell you how to train a dog, but you know, but they don't say the most important thing about training a dog is reading the dog. You know, uh, great trainers can read a dog and they can read it quick. You know, it's a, it, it's this dog, you know, how's it reacting to pressure? You know, is it, is it just cause it's new to pressure, or, you know, that it's, it's acting this way or can it not really handle pressure, you know, or, you know, do I need to back off? You know, it's, it's all about reading the dog 100%, you know, mm-hmm. so, so, um, that's a big thing to me, you know, it, and these guys that you're talking about going out there, picking up them ducks, um, you know, not everybody likes dogs, but I have seen people doing that, and they'll say, "Well, I've hunted with a dog. I ain't hunting with another one." Well, because uh, they had a bad too. experience. Right. Because you had a bad experience, and that's there's nothing worse than hunting with a bad dog. If, if it ever comes to the point where I, you know, because I'll probably guide for, I, I would imagine, you know, the rest of my days that I can do it. I, I just you know, I love it that much. But I would, if it ever comes a time where I can't have a dog, I won't do it. I'm not going to go out there and pick up you know, 30, 35, 40 client ducks with my own two feet. Well, see, not happening. Right. Duck hunting to me is the dog. See, that's... Yeah. Uh, without a dog, I i don't think I've ever hunted without a dog. Uh, only thing I hunt without a dog is deer. You know, mm-hmm. even squirrel hunting. When I was a kid, we used to still hunt. But when I got coon dogs, I took my coon dogs uh, squirrel hunting. You know, my, my dad wouldn't even hunt with me because they, they'd run you over ridges and everything yeah. else. But it was still, it's the dog for me. It's, you know, and... 
you know, I won't, I won't hunt without a dog. Yeah, it's, I'm the same way. There's nothing better than, uh, you know, your dog running out there 200 yards and you're giving it casts and you take it right to that duck and bring it back, you know, yeah. and, you know, it's just, it's, it's just. It's very rewarding to watch. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I always loved about quail hunting, bird hunting, is just watching the dogs work. That's, yeah, that's one of the That's one of the neatest things. things. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, that's the greatest sight there is, really. Oh, yeah. It's the fun about, I mean, you know out there with friends just like duck hunting you're walking quail hunting but yeah watching those dogs work and exactly and point and work together which i assume talking about dogs working together if you got two you know labs out there duck dogs do they work together just like pointers do well if they've been taught yeah trained you know my i train dogs to release them now if they see a duck fall they're released by their name so if you have multiple dogs you call their name that dog should go the other should set yeah so uh, now on blind retrieve, something they don't see fall, you got to get that dog over by you, line it up, and send it on back. Okay. But uh, but yeah, oh yeah, I hunt my dogs together. Yeah. Well, I noticed, you know, watching some of your videos on your Facebook page, is that when you tell them to go, it's by their name. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So that's the that's the reason. Yes. Yes. If you um, get into the hunt test world at all, um, and um, in the junior level when you enter. Um, you can hold on to that dog by its collar. But then when you move up to senior level, you run your dog and then your dog, then you step aside and your dog's got to honor another dog running. I see. To pass or it flunks. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you've got to teach it, you know, to go by its name or, or, or you know, to set and be steady, especially when you get up to the master. You know, mm-hmm. in the senior level, you got a controlled break. So if that dog breaks, I can yell at it. And if I can make that dog come right back before it gets too far, I can still pass as long as he only did that once through the trial. I see. Master, you can't even talk. You can't say a word. If that dog moves, you flunk. So. Mm-hmm. And they could, I guess could even get you for creep. Some. Yeah, some judges. Uh, one thing I have learned, and, and you know, now I'm new to the hunt test world. I've only been in a few years, but um, uh, it's judges. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's different judges see, do different things. I, yeah. I've seen uh, senior hunts that um, as harder than a master hunt sometimes yeah. it's all what kind of judge you get you know and some of these guys actually will follow judges you know if they find an easy one but every place they go that's where they go but you know if you want a senior dog you need to pass that senior test wherever it's at but, right okay so, so we got so we got our puppies figured out which one we're picking so what happens between the time that you get your puppy and it comes to you so we're we're trying to train it. You talked about people training their own dogs. So we're trying to train it to sit, do some basic commands, and you know, hopefully it's retrieving. Yes, yes. Make it make it fun. You want to make yep. it totally fun. You want them. Don't worry about that thing sitting whenever you're you're retrieving, and also keep it too short. You know, uh, uh, when a pup's little, I, I give it three four retrieves, and when it's done, I want that thing still wanting, and I want it jumping up on me trying to want that. You know, yeah. and uh, I put it away. You know, I'm trying to build that desire or bring it out. Mm-hmm. But um, socialization is a big. big oh yeah, big put thing. that thing in the truck and take it everywhere. Yeah, take it with you. Take it to your kids' soccer games and every, everywhere you can. So yeah, there are stores. If stores, you know, like we got a couple of local stores here, you can take your pets into. Of yes. course, a pet store you can. Some, but uh, I, you, we do that. You know, Buckeyes is one of them. You could, you know, put them on a leash and walk them through Buckeyes, and right, man, it makes such a big difference. You got to watch, make sure you don't pee on the floor. It's kind of <laughs> tough, but sometimes it happens. But Man, you see so many sights, sounds, smells, uh-huh. you know, and it gets them acclimated to 
varying conditions. And that's why, you know, when I got Wiley, I was guiding that day and then drove to Knoxville, Tennessee, picked him up from a buddy of mine, drove back and uh, the next day, and he stayed at the duck club with me. I got him when he was six weeks old, and he stayed at the duck club with me from November 17th all the way through the end of duck season every day. Nice. He's at the duck club. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, he was trying to get into, you know, tractor fluids and oil and, <laughs> you know, everything else. And I had to really watch him. Uh-huh. And Shane, you know, the guy that owns the duck club we're at, would often make fun of him and still does, you know, because we caught him one day trying to lick a grease tube, you know, for grease and tractors. I, and, like, uh, I think I've seen yeah. him. Yeah. He's like, oh, his joints ought to be lubed up, you know. <laughs> and it's, it's true, and he'd get into everything. But yeah. It did so much for his desire to, to because we were around ducks. I mean, bring you know yeah. a pile of ducks in for the day, and right. he was dragging them. Around. I mean, big ducks when uh-huh. he was little, dragging oh, yeah. dragging mallards around, oh, and yeah. uh, so you could kind of see that. But one thing you were talking about, and you know, creating that desire. One thing that I saw kind of flip the switch for him was, I went and got some pigeons and oh, clipped yeah. clip their feathers, and he was probably, oh man, I don't know, he wasn't that old nine or ten weeks at that time uh-huh. <clears throat> and the first time he saw it he was kind of like you know he'd step back and he you know he'd run up to it and then he'd kind of pause and he's like i don't know what i don't know about this <laughs> and then as soon as that thing took off running across the ground he'd try to fly he'd fly a few feet and couldn't get off the ground because it uh-huh. had you know clipped its what wing feathers and and all of a sudden like you flipped a switch he just chased that thing all over the place and to the point where the pigeon was done and they're a tough uh-huh. bird oh yeah oh yeah but that pigeon was about wore out by the time he got done right. chasing it and so we did that, you know, for several different sessions over the course of a couple of weeks. And, right. you know, then now I've got to watch him because my neighbor's got chicken. So when he's home. <laughs> <laughs> chicken dogs. Yeah. Yeah. I've had chickens in my yard before. Yeah. So That's actually a way to um, pick a pup, too, if you do have pigeon or if that. If they get, yeah. Actually, a good, to me, somebody raising pups, they should already been introduced to pigeons. Really, I do. Yeah, and uh, I want one that's bold. Actually, I like to see them the first time they go after pigeon. I want that dog that's bold that goes out after it right away. Yeah, yeah. and it yeah. indicates prey drive. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. that's pretty neat. Hmm. All right, so doing some basic training: um, sit, a little bit of fetching, and then the six month mark comes. They got their teeth. They come to you. So what? What type of training are you doing first? The obedience training, I think you mentioned earlier. Yes, yes. You have to have control. So it's all. That, that's what I said about it. it can move through faster you know I, you know my job I got now I work by the foot okay so and uh, I know money's hard to come by so I, I feel a, an obligation to the client and and to the dog itself but to try to uh, I'm not just keeping your dog sitting there in a kennel at the house so if you bring me a dog that already knows obedience uh, it's going to get through there a lot faster otherwise it's going to take me a it's usually three months is what they call a gun dog package. Mm-hmm. First month's teaching it, heel, sit, kennel, place. Second month's reinforcement with a collar, then force fetch. All right, and that's what most programs are getting. Um, now, <clears throat> most of the dogs I get through know a little bit, um, and uh, I'll I'll work with them for one or two weeks on just obedience, and then I'll start moving right into collar conditioning. Even if your dog knows everything, I'm not going to jump into it right away. I want that mm-hmm. dog to learn me and me, mm-hmm. me learn him, but... Um, and then I'll go into uh, the collar conditioning, and then I go into force fetch. And then uh, most people nowadays want a three-month program. I mean, duck dogs, that's what they want. So you're not going to get a three months. You're not going to get a dog that cast, you know. Uh, well, I say that, but I got a dog right now that's coming up to, and let's see, it, 
he's coming to get it this weekend. It'll be one week shy of three three months, and that dog's taking cast on land really well. But um, in water, it's not. That's people don't realize that you teach a dog something on land, and you move to water, it doesn't get the concept. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't um, connect the two. People will think that's crazy, but it's true. And uh, but you know, I've had that dog, you know, almost three months, and it's taking cast very well on land. It's nice. But uh, anyway, I'll go right into force fetch. Then you force the pile. You, you do walking force, and then um, I'm hoping I got that dog longer because. To me, that dog is nowhere near ready. I, I want to take that dog out and put it on some dead ducks out of wingers at a distance. I want to shoot a shotgun by it. I want to sit there and holler like buddies do. You know, Yahoo, I got it. You know, I do all that stuff, blow the duck call. You know, I want to get that dog ready. I want to get him ready to decoys, used to it. And then, uh, but when you still take that dog home after three months, it's not a duck. You can. You can take, I've heard people say they've hunted with a field champion, for heaven's sakes, that runs out there 500 yards, gets a duck. All I hunted with a field champion, that dog was terrible. Field champions can't duck hunt. Well, it's like, well, that you know what? First of all, most people that run their dogs and hunt tests that are serious, that mm-hmm. dog never hunts because that's where you learn your bad habits is, yeah. is hunting. Yeah. So these they're just like horses, you know. Uh, you know, Show horses never see a trail ride. You know, th- th- these guys, you just ride them in a controlled environment, just like mm-hmm. just like these um, dogs that go way up, field champions, they're in a controlled environment to try to keep them from messing up, okay? So you hunted with a field champion and it didn't do crap or do well. Yeah, that dog's never hunted. You know, yeah, it can do it. I'll guarantee that dog will be great if you hunt it for a season. Mm-hmm. So if I if I send you a dog home at three months of training, it's got all it needs, you know, it's got what it needs. It knows, except for casting. It's not going to be casting. And hopefully, I'll try to have it casting some, but nothing major. But that dog's still got to learn to hunt. Mm-hmm. You know, when you take it, it's it's now, if it's trained right, I really believe two two hunts, three hunts, he's going to, you know, he's going to be there. Yeah. You know, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, they, they, it's, it's a different process, like I said, just like connecting. It's kind of like force fetch. When you force fetch a dog, you do it on a table. You take him out of his element. You put him up, and and um, it's kind of like you know. I used to break horses too, and train horses, and shot them, and all that stuff. And actually, I give that more credit than anything on my training because when you're dealing with an animal like that, you got to outsmart it, not outdumb it. You yeah. Know? And uh, <clears throat> and uh, you know, horses, you put them in a little bitty round pen when you break them, and that that takes a that when you put them in a small area, they're a different animal. You know, they're just more controllable. They're more compliance to you and all that. Same way with a dog. You put them up on that table and, and train them, uh, they're, they're more acceptable of what you're doing. They'll listen more. It's more, they're more in tune. But if you take that dog off that table and you put him on the ground, he does not, he does not. He doesn't have that. Yeah. He doesn't have that confine at the table anymore. So he, he thinks he can get away with stuff. Yeah. So he's not, it's, it's not connected. So you got to reteach it on the ground basically. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, you know, it's a big thing, you know, they still got to learn to hunt. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so they take them, start hunting with them. It's going to take some time to first couple hunts before they yes, are, you know, set in, whatever it is. Yeah, it, it, it really, really a, a full season, like you said. I think by the time you get, you know, and it depends on how much you hunt. You know, yeah. I get, to hunt, well, I get true, to hunt every true, day. True. So, you know, my dog is, you know, by the time we get a week or so in, He's going to start figuring things out, mm-hmm. you know, but by the end of season, like, you know, I'll know, okay, 
his you know season two, he's gonna be ready to go. Yeah, you know, we'll do some. Yeah. yeah, we'll be we'll do some stuff. With, you know, we'll work with Jeff. We'll run setups and things like that. But he'll be ready by the time next season oh, rolls yeah. around, and well, it'll be programmed right. at you, that point. You got advantage. I mean, it's got a lot. It's just like rabbit dogs or anything. It's about how much you can get them on the game. You, yeah. you being a guide, if you're in a good spot and you're knocking yeah. ducks down, you take a dog to Canada, and I hear these guys oh, saying man. how many they kill. You take them up there for a week, and you got you come back, you're going to have a heck of a dog. I'd give anything yeah. if I could take him to Canada this year. Yeah, yeah. So it's awesome. Yeah, putting them on the game, you know. But. So casting, if, if that would be the second round of training, yes. basically, and yes. you'd bring them back – you know what time frame you bringing them back after the first round of training that that you go through they can stay there they oh can, they can they, stay they there can stay there and just go right through it or they can bring them back if they want to go hunt them or if they decide i've had people take uh you know they they ain't worried about that they just want a duck hunting dog you know then, yeah. then they uh, take them and hunt them then they decide they do want that casting you know then they bring them back you know at what age is a dog untrainable uh you know uh hank was a year and a half old but I got yeah. him. I don't know if if there is an age where they're untrainable now. Make it harder. Yeah, you bring me a um, you bring me a hyper dog that's out of control. Uh, the older it gets, the the harder it is to train it. But mm-hmm. I, I think it's still trainable. But then you're talking about more time. Yeah, you know I mean, just taking longer. You know, I've had people ask me that. Can you? Know, I got a two year old dog. Yeah, I can train it. I guarantee I can train it now. If it's already got bad habits, it's like I said, a lesson learned. You know, it's mm-hmm. a lesson not forgotten. It's if if it's got bad habits, um, you know, it's always can be there. You know. Yep. So, but you're better off to get them young. You know, early if you can get that pup by six months old, you're better off. You know, but it's I don't. It's not too late as long as no bad habits. Mm-hmm. So, how many dogs do you bring in, or how many dogs are you training? At any given time, usually about six. I yeah. mean, you know, with you know, with my other job, first of all, I will not take a dog. I, I train seven days a week. I yep. mean, uh, I'm trying my my high end dogs. I'm giving them a day off. You know, they're like athletes; they need to rest too. And it's hard for me though because it's it just it's hard for me to train one dog and leave the other one sitting there. You know, it just it's hard. And but anyway, <clears throat> um, yeah, I train. Uh, seven days a week and uh, uh, about six dogs I can train with the time frame that I got right now um, um, I can train them to a high level and I'm not cheating the dog you know I'm not you know if I can only got time for two that's all I'm taking you know you know in, in business that I see you can train or even my, my other job you can do a hundred good jobs but if the one bad job you do is the one everybody talks oh, about oh sure mm-hmm. so I mean uh I'm only going to take what I can. Now I'm hoping, I'm hoping that I move on here to full time and I can take a lot more, you know. But uh, in all honesty, I'd probably never train more than 10 dogs at a time. A lot of these professional trainers got 20, 20, uh, 20, 30 dogs. But, you know, they also have a helper that's working for them and they've got a guy also teaching them the the first three months, you know, the the basics. They only really take that dog when it gets up into casting and Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And then they run the hunt test with them and what have you. But um, probably no more than 10 for me. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, that if I did it full time, I could do 10 and have 10 great dogs guaranteed. Yeah. Well, you talked about baby steps earlier, so baby steps is, you know, perfecting something before you move on to the next 
and is that amount of time you spend how much time do you spend with a dog each day well that all depends you know if it's hot out if it's cold uh, mm-hmm. some, some dogs um, a lot of people that bring me dogs will ask me that well how much are you going to work with them it's like I'll work with your dog as long as it can be worked with but uh, if you keep it out there too long all of a sudden it starts getting bad habits it's kind of like a, I don't know if you played baseball or not yeah. but you know uh, uh, you get out there and you <clears throat> you start practicing hitting you know, you, you do it for so long, and it's all about form. You start losing that form, you're getting tired, you know, you need to lay that bat down because, you know, you're creating bad habits. Mm-hmm. Same way with a dog. It's so that's like, what you're talking about, reading it. Reading you got to yes. be able to read it, so you may be able to spend an hour with it, or you may be able to spend 20 minutes. Yes. You don't know. Exactly. Now, it's it's like I, shooting your bow. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've I found, you know, if I, if I go out and, you know, sling six arrows, go pick those up, sling six more, pick those up, and by the time I get to that last couple arrows in that last set of six, my, I'm getting sloppy. Yes. And, you know, dog, same way, a dog gets tired. They start yeah. getting sloppy, then they start getting distracted by that sloppiness, and, you know, and right. just right. then you start creating <clears throat> bad habits. Which I say that, but what I'll do a lot of times is with a dog, let's say I'm and there is dogs 15 minutes all you're going to get especially in the summer months which i try to train late when i when that is but our water but uh they're still in training even though i don't maybe call it training i'll, I'll put them over on the place board and they honor they honor why the next dog works so right. they're actually learning steadiness while they're sitting there yeah but as far as the actual retrieving or whatever you know it's it's all up to the dog and the baby steps i'm talking about <clears throat> Let's say, uh, you know, I've taught that dog to run a pattern blind. Uh, a, a pattern blind's a, I've set bumpers out there at a certain distance, and that dog knows where them bumpers are. It's, it's ran. It runs them every day, and, and I'll do that, and I'll start up close, and I'll work back. I'll start 20 yards. Next thing you know, i got that dog running 200 yards on a straight line. I'm teaching it to run a straight line going to that, that bumper pile. But then you go to water, and then all of a sudden you put go a Across the pond, you set them on the other side. That dog does not. You send that dog because it already knows that. But it hits that water, and it happens a lot. It'll hit that water, and that dog will go out ten feet or something, and then all of a sudden he starts coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't understand it. Now, I could get all upset, and I could start forcing that dog with my collar, trying to force it. You know, but <clears throat> there you go. You, you know, you're expecting that dog to know it. So instead of blaming the dog, ask yourself what you can do. So basically what you do is you back that dog back up and you take a bumper and you throw it over there. Let th- Make it a mark. But I've already got five, six bumpers over there, so I throw a bumper over there and he sees it. So I send him. Then the next time I try to send him without throwing one. If not, I throw it again. And then eventually he gets that and then he'll start going to that bumper pile. And next thing you know, he's doing a pattern blind, blind retrieve basically, mm-hmm. over to that pile. So I've taught him in baby steps. Now I'm building that dog's confidence, and he's learning, hey, he lines me up, and he says back, there's something over there. You know what I mean? So, I got you. There's a foundation. Oh, yeah. Building blocks. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, good. We've got, uh, so, yeah, so we're forming a partnership. The Break, Wild Story Productions, Wounded Duck Retrievers, that's your business. Yeah. I think we mentioned that earlier, but I'm not sure if we did. I think so. But. Yeah. I appreciate it. Anyway, that's yeah. what it is. Right, that's what it is. <laughs> In case you've listened to this for this whole time and you don't know what we're talking about, that's what it is. Right. Yeah. Right. So you're well, going to... Well, no, I was just going to say, you're kind of leading into this, but one thing that I think is pretty cool is, uh, you know, when I when I first con- re- I contacted Jeff again, you know, about doing, you know, training Wiley, and, you know, he's got one of my dogs, and, um, 
I, I saw that he was building a kennel on Facebook, and I thought, well, that's, that's pretty cool. You know, he's building a nice facility. And then when I got to go see it, I was blown away. And so, you know, there's going to be a video coming. We're, we're going to do quite a bit together. But his kennel facility is absolutely amazing. And he did a little walkthrough video. So if uh, we're, we're going to get him a Facebook page going. But if, if you go and friend request Jeff Sweeney, if you're interested in dogs and duck hunting, things like that, he's got a video on there that walks through his kennel. And I mean, just crazy the amount of times it's been shared and commented on because it's an incredible place Mm -hmm. and uh so you guys need to check that out and maybe we could put a link to that video or something in the podcast post but it talk about that just briefly that that kennel setup you got well first of all that video i know that i didn't do a great job no you didn't you didn't do a very good job video that's why you got good at that stuff but (laughs) i want you to know that i did that and a spur of the moment, my daughter's off uh, in National Guard, and she's my buddy. She's my hunting yeah. buddy, my yeah. trainer, and uh, I did that for her to send that to her on her phone. They get their phones on the weekend, yeah. So I wanted to do that, and I was trying to do it fast, and I didn't dream that it would be shared. What two hundred and eighty something times? Oh, or something it, it like was that. it was incredible. Pull, go go pull that up real quick, Derek. I, I don't know. But we'll look here. Uh, Obviously, you guys can't see this; they're just listening to the podcast, but. Um. But anyway, so Jeff, keep talking about that, okay. though, how you designed the kennel and why you did what you did. Well, you know, before I just had kennels in an old barn, really. And, um, you know, uh, when I decided to really, really pursue this, it's a dream of mine. Uh, my wife started pushing me and uh, my mom and dad, and I thought, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. Because a lot of people, you know, their dogs are family to them. So I wanted to build the best facility I could possibly build where that dog feels like it's it's got it as good as home so uh, i went through and and um, there's a there's a site on facebook best kennel setup so i went on that and i i got every piece of information i could and of how to set drains up and how to do everything and uh, i saw then basically i i did what i thought was best and just uh built the place and and uh it's turned out better than i expected i'm very very happy with it um so inside that kennel, you did how many runs do you have? Uh, I got twelve runs in there. Twelve runs, and you did a, an epoxy type floor on it, yes, which yes. is really really nice. You see which one is it? This one? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. That's Wiley. That's right Wiley. There. Yeah. So so uh, talk through this, Jeff, as we watch this. So how big is that building? The building is uh, fifty-two by thirty. It's got a. It's a now is that counting the lean twos or yes? Okay, yes. so fifty-two by thirty. The the building itself, uh, plus the lean twos on each side is where the kennel runs are. Yeah, they go in and out. They're the sleeping quarters are inside. They've got a a, a four by a, a three a four. Let's see, what is it? Three six by four area inside where they come in and, and sleep, and uh, <clears throat> then they got their um, um, five by uh, what is it, five by ten on the outside run, and um, which I put up. Um, uh, panels in between each run for uh, so dogs, you know, so they can't transmit diseases by you know males peeing on each other, hiking their leg, and mm-hmm. and you use crossfits. You use what puck boards for that? Yes, like uh-huh. hockey puck boards. Yes, mm-hmm. to divide the kennels is pretty neat. Yeah, yep. I got that off that best kennel setup too. A lady was doing it, but uh, them fans right there are just people. Now that building's totally insulated. It's got like a foot of insulation in the ceiling. Walls are insulated, and them fans will drop that inside of that 10 degrees it's just yeah. amazing I, I tell you when we were up there the other day it was pretty hot the last time we were at the kennel and uh 
and literally it felt refreshing to walk into this metal building. Oh, yes. And, and how often can you say that? But he had fans going and had some ventilation, mm-hmm. air conditioners not even running. Right, yeah. I mean, it literally, the, the temperature inside there was nice. Yes. So it keep your dogs comfortable, and it, it's just a beautiful facility. We'll get the link posted up uh, to this video. We'll get it posted on this podcast post. That way everybody can watch this video. It's yeah. it's not the work of Wild Story Productions. It's the work of Jeff Sweeney. So I just want you. <laughs> yeah, that's when, for sure. When, I, I'm sure they'll realize that. <laughs> when, when Wild Story Productions go up there show the kennel, it'll it'll be a little bit higher quality video. It but, looks uh, better too now. I've got other <laughs> stuff up there too. So. But yeah, that that kennel that kennel is one thing. And, and I, I think when I originally contacted you months ago, I said, "Hey, I saw you're building a kennel. I guess you're getting pretty big now, you know." And and when I saw that kennel coming together, I was like, you know, and I've known Jeff for a while, but I was like, my dog's got to go there, you know. And so, you know, I, I wanted to get Jeff involved. He's he's got a drive and a passion for doing this that. You know, not many people have, you know, and I, I've been in, in a position where I'm trying to find other people that have a passion and a drive that matches mine, and it's hard to find. And so when I found a, you know, a guy that trained dogs that had the same passion and drive, but in a different area, you know, being dogs versus video production, right? I was like, this is this is what we got to do, and, and I want to see him succeed. So, you know, hopefully, uh, well, not hopefully, this partnership that we've all um, got, you know, we're going to help each other, and um, we'll be bringing some, some cool dog stuff and duck stuff to the break next year so um really looking forward to that and getting you guys down to hunt with us and mm-hmm. hope maybe get us in on some other things too some cool places to hunt so nice for that it'll be neat but yeah it's it's just a super neat setup thank you yeah super it really neat. is I'm, I'm very proud of it i'm i'm glad where i'm very proud of where i'm at right now you know uh, i can't you know, I've had people come to me just because of my facility, in all honesty. Uh, you know, they said, we went down to this guy to training, and, you know, he's got these pins out there, and he's got barrels where these dogs go and, and stay. And, and, you know, and, and I have no intent of cutting anybody down like that and, and or anything. Um, but, uh, you know, it's my only point is there's some people that their dog is family to them. You know, yeah, and they mm-hmm. want them in the best facility, right? And, well, and that's that's why right. I said when I saw your facility, I, that's why I knew because I, I spent a fair amount of money on Wiley, and Wiley is right. one of my best friends. You know, right? right. We're <clears> close, <throat> and I knew he had to go to somebody that had an, a nice facility. And you've got training grounds that are right there within right. what five miles of your house. You got several places to train, right? Uh, plenty of opportunity to take dogs out and run them on different setups and yes, things absolutely. like that. So, yeah. Yep. It's been pretty neat. So we kind of diverted there from what you were saying, Derek. But, yeah, talk about that. So the the partnership and kind of what we're going to try to do with all this. Yeah, so we're going to try – well, we are going to do – you're going to – you're training Wiley. James, yeah, Wiley, James's mm-hmm. dog. You're going to train Maggie, my right. dog. Right. And uh, we're just going to put together some, some packages. Um, you know, eventually we're going to have pups with Maggie here. Yep. And, uh, you know, you're going to be official – dog trainer of of our litter i guess you should say appreciate it yeah um but yeah yeah, so now we're going to have some good package deals for well not only for you know the pups that that we have here but anybody so yeah if they can use go through the break and you know right head up your way you know we'll we'll work something out or you'll work something out yeah there'll be some good deals so yeah now you've done a good job with with wiley's and for what i've seen on on video and he's yeah. he's a different dog than he yeah. was three months ago oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah he's 
I'm seeing it different. Once that light comes on in him, it's it's quick. You really start seeing difference. He's really changed here lately too. Yeah. He's really he's now he's not sitting there, you know, ready to go and open yeah. that kennel door to out because I, I don't they're not allowed out till I to release them. Mm-hmm. And now he's just got it. You know, yeah. he's, he's calm. That's and, that's and, something else too. Any dog I've ever trained is is when I open the kennel door, that don't mean come on. No, absolutely. I open not. the kennel door, it means you're gonna sit there and wait to come out until I let you come out. Because right. if not, there and I do the same thing with my house door. When exactly. we walk in the house, dogs will try to run past you, trying to carry groceries in and knocking bags out of your hand. My dogs will sit down outside and screen in porch until I get in the house. Then I'll come back, open the door, and then they'll come in. Right. And, it, and it's really, it's slowed down their mentality. They've learned that they could sit there, just calm down a little bit. Then that way when they run in the house, they're not running 20 circles around the house, knocking stuff over. Right. They're much more calm when they enter the house because, you know, I put that control on them. Another so, advantage of a house dog, right. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we've been going at it for a little over an hour. Flies by. We're having fun. <laughs> That's isn't it? right. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll shut this down, but we'll have your website. Your website will be up and running here pretty quick, right? Yes. This evening. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. We're, at least we're, I'm smart enough. We're, we're, yeah. we're actually going to set up. Um, as long as you've got time, we're going to set up the Facebook page when we get done with this. Okay, Maybe we'll yeah, go get sure. lunch and we'll set up the Facebook page. That way it's done because sure. I'm okay. tired of asking if it's done yeah, yet. Yeah, well, I need the help. <laughs> so yeah. we're going to get that set up and we'll get some of his videos linked on there. And uh-huh. and because okay. uh, he's he's been posting little videos, he sends me videos all the time of Wiley working, and you know that's something that big trainers a lot of times you don't get that kind of feedback nonstop and jeff's been really good about you know anytime wiley kind of makes a milestone mm-hmm. it's like hey james check this out and he'll send me a you know a video on facebook messenger you know so then you know i just sit and wait all right where's the next video yeah, you know yeah. i do that but, with everybody yeah. but yeah right right it, it's yeah. it's a nice nice thing to have you send your dog off and like i said it's like family you want to know how he's doing yeah you know, it's just like send your kid off to school oh yeah you know so yeah. anyway yeah. yeah but the website will be wounded duck retrievers and uh you know it's being constructed now yeah so it'll be it'll just keep growing just keep growing as we figure it all out but uh jeff i appreciate you coming in i appreciate the opportunity yeah absolutely yeah. i look forward to uh getting maggie out duck hunting next year and uh she won't make it this season unfortunately but yeah a little early <laughs> yeah <laughs> she'll be ready to rock and roll she'll next be year. ready to rock and roll next year dove season we'll break her in starting dove season and yeah yeah, I yep. think a lot of people won't hunt a pup dove season, but I hunt all my pups dove season if I can, and uh, mm-hmm. it just uh, it can it can make a dog too. You know? Oh, yeah. for sure. My dog, my my older dog, you know, I can sit there. I don't even watch the sky. I just watch her. She'll tell me when a dove's there. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, that's one of the coolest things. Yeah. All right, we'll wrap it up, James. Appreciate you coming yeah. in. Yeah, good time, Jeff. Thanks again. Thank you. Y'all check it out, Wounded Duck Retrievers. That'll do. See ya. This is Derek Dernberger, and you're listening to The Break Podcast. 